Now on Radio Italia Uno. It's time for Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. An hour where we have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build, and increase your business. Right now, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And the reason why we say good morning, good afternoon, and good night is because we come to you live here on uh, Mondays from uh, 2 till 3 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. And, of course, every Monday evening from then on, it's on podcast. Thanks to Podcast City, Ron and Karen from Podcast City uh, do a wonderful job with podcasting this program and it's going around the world at the moment to over 40 countries. And I just want to say a quick thank you to a couple of people. I've been getting quite a lot of messages. Obviously, a lot of them are Christmas messages and a lot of them are are messages of people. It's interesting, this time of the year that people realise that, oh, wow, this is what's happened. (laughs) You know, at any other time, they let things happen. This time of the year, they try and make things happen or they realise Wow, it's gone already, or it's Christmas already. Um, and I got a message from a guy in Uganda who is finally saying, I'm now going to do what I've been wanting to do all these years. He's always wanted to get a farm. He's always wanted to start a, his own business, but he's been busy working for other people and not for himself. And he was saying how listening to this show that somebody had shared with him, he realized it now is the time that he can start his own business and run his own life rather than have to work for a living. He's going to live to work. And, you know, like some people live to work and other people work to live, you know. And I've got a guy in Kenya who sent me a, a really, really good email saying, thank you so much for sharing this year, has made such a big difference to him and his whole family. He's got a couple of young students who weren't or his kids were, were student and weren't really thinking about studying and going to uni. And by listening to some of the programs that we've had, they're encouraged to go to higher learning and realise that education is the only way for them to better their families and come out of this poverty, what, what did he call it, poverty, he didn't say rat race, it was something like that. Uh, I can't remember the exact word he used, but it, it was like, um, you know, poverty breeds poverty sort of thing, you know, he was saying. Now he's listening to this. They've got mentors. They've got people thinking, well, if they can do it, so can we. So that's a really good thing, you know. Also, I've got people in uh, Argentina who sent me an email saying that next year they'll be here in Adelaide. They've got relatives here in Adelaide and they look forward to meeting me and catching up. So that was really, really good. So, And, of course, I, I've got quite a lot from uh, UK in England. And it just I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that sends me messages. But more importantly, thank you to everybody who shares because by sharing, you find that more and more people will benefit from this. And that's what this is all about. Now, my special guest is all the way from Perth in Western Australia, and I'm here in Adelaide in South Australia, and Perth is like almost 3,000 kilometres away from us, and it's uh, Maria Firefield. Maria Firefield has had a very, very interesting life. As a child, she came out from uh, Europe, from Italy, lived in Adelaide for a long, long time, and then travelled all over the place and currently living in Western Australia and working there. So, Maria, thank yes, you. Peter. Thank you. Welcome to the program, Happy Business Radio. 
Maria, you and your husband run a very, very successful law firm in Western Australia called Avon Legal. Um, That's right, Peter. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're actually doing now in that, within that firm. Okay. Well, we have a practice, as you say, called Avon Legal, and it's named just so that people don't get confused and it's got nothing to do, to do with the cosmetic company that used to be. It's named Avon Legal because we are at the foot of the Perth Hills where the Avon River comes from and it's the Avon Valley that is beyond that. So we set up a law firm. Well, I should have clarify that. I set up a law firm in 2005. Now, I set it up hoping to have a quiet little practice, uh, which would have seen my later years of, of work. And within a year, my husband, as you said, Tony, decided to come from a, a large law firm in the city of Perth to join me. Uh, my area of practice at that time was criminal law and family law and wills and estates. So Tony's practice area of practice commercial so we combined commercial we combined the wills and estates practice and the family law unfortunately criminal law had to go so yes we started off uh, with Tony in 2006 and we've been in our practice in Midland at Avon Legal since then it's given us an opportunity to establish ourselves amongst the business community and amongst the surrounding areas so that Now we have a large number of clients that are repeat clients because most people like the familiarity and the stability of going to, particularly where they may have some legal issues, Mm -hmm. uh, which sometimes may be a bit personal or a bit sensitive. And I guess for most of us, we like to know that we can go back to the same person, the same face in the past 10 years or so and uh, have that person assist us. Um, and our younger family members. So I think our popularity or the the fact that the firm has done so well Mm -hmm. is primarily because both Tony and I had been involved in other professions prior to going to law. So I remember when I first started the practice in 2005 and in the first week uh, I walked around with a bunch of my cards to the local business people and to the local community legal centre that was there in Midland and introduced myself. And Mm -hmm. the local community centre that uh, the community legal centre would refer clients to me and uh, my clients would tell me when they'd come in, they said I was referred by the community legal centre down the road and they told me to come and see you because you're the friendly lawyer. (laughs) So, yes, and so I guess it's because we brought with us something from our previous occupations and professions. And in my case, um, Peter, we've had a bit of a chat, so you you know a little bit about me. Um, I started off living in Adelaide, uh, growing up there with the family, having come from Italy, and starting my first career as a nurse working with disabled children. And uh, from there, developed into working uh, in the area and did a, a a nursing certificate, as it was called then, in uh, mental health, which brought me to, that was the first time I came to Perth. So I worked at a place called Heathcote, which is set on the riverside, and uh, it was Heathcote, what was called then, the psychiatric institution, and working with people with mental health problems. 
So obviously working with people who are suffering from mental health problems gives you, well, you have to develop a, an empathy to survive in that area with people who are going through all sorts of issues in their own personal lives. And that has carried through to my legal profession. So I now specialise in wills and estates, mm -hmm. and that involves obviously seeing people who are thinking about doing a will or maybe thinking about changing their wills because a partner or a family member has died. So I can sit there and hold someone's hand. I can give someone you can relate you know, to that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's so important from my point of view that people do experience a variety of things in their lives and end up in a situation where they can bring all that knowledge and skills into the field that they want to stay in for the rest of their working career. The thing that I find interesting about you was the fact that you didn't go from school straight into law. You know, you 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 went from school, you went to nursing and you, you worked at, uh, in Adelaide, you worked at, a, at Minda Home, which is like of children disabled and mentally disabled. I mean, I'm not too sure of all the legal words now, if you're allowed to say that, or, you know, uh, mentally challenged or whatever the proper correct word is. So, you know, let me apologise in advance. And uh, like Ron says, I've got to put a disclaimer to everything I say, you know, <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll get Maria to defend me. But, of course, you know, of course. <laughs> so what, what, what I, you know, what I find is that the fact that you always were caring and helping people, now it's almost naturally that you end up becoming a lawyer because that's where you say, let me help you, let me fight for you, let me defend you, let me get justice for you. And you end up becoming a lawyer, but you've got a lot of talent before you became a lawyer. Yes, you're right, Peter. I just wanted to just confirm what you've said because it is very important that those that I've worked before are areas where someone would advocate on the behalf of on behalf of someone who cannot advocate or represent themselves. Yes, as in the case of people with a, an intellectual challenge, and uh, you know, it was called. You know, I apologise, as you did to everybody, mental deficiency at that stage, which yes. is a horrible term, but that's what it was called then. Yep. We accepted it at that stage. And they were with, with the young kids and adults who couldn't represent their own views and so... Had no idea what was going on. Yeah, they have no idea what's going on. But what what was interesting while you yes. were at Minda Home here in Adelaide, I know that you did a lot of charity work and you did a lot of fundraising for Minda and the Miss Industry Awards, and you actually won the Charity Queen. And well, uh, you know, to, that's no mean feat. You know that you have to do a lot of work to do that. So you did a lot of volunteer work, a lot of putting in of your own spirit and soul. You know. You're right, Peter, and it's only possibly at moments like this where I can stop and reflect on it, and as you raised, it reminds me that right throughout the careers that I've had, the different careers I've had, I have dedicated myself to some pro bono, as they call it now yeah. in law, and charity work. But you were right, I was very privileged to be asked by the hospital when I was there to represent them. They, Minderheim in that year when I was there were, one, were going to be one of the recipients of the Telethon charity fundraising. And so um, one of the requirements was for them to have an entrant in the Telethon Quest. 
So they asked me to if I would be the Minda Homes representative. And with the help of my family, especially my older brother, we managed to have quite a few functions and raise what was for then the highest amount that had ever been raised. Now, I just want to sort of say, in case um, we hadn't sort of made it clear that I'm from an Italian background, and I want to thank, if there's anyone who may ever remember me uh, being someone who would have asked them for money or selling tickets or inviting them to cabarets and various other functions that, as I say, my brother assisted me to arrange, that it was with the help of a large help, should I say, from the Italian community who supported me, friends and and family members, to raise that amount. So right now, back in the 70s, thank you to those people. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Look, the other thing that we've only got a couple of minutes before we take a break, but the the other thing, when you left Adelaide and you went to Perth, then uh, you worked at Fremantle Hospital for a period of time. I I believe you became uh, like their hospital administrator there. Um, well, it, yes, of... I worked um, in the um, w- what they call the W block, which was the Alma Street Centre, which was the the psychiatric institution side of Fremantle Hospital. Now you and worked that, there; you weren't involved in there. <laughs> no, absolutely. And despite Damn. the fact, as they say, it helps to be a bit crazy yourself if you yeah. work with people who have mental health problems. Yeah. Um, yes, no, I became um, the level three. Uh, manager, senior manager at Alma Street mm-hmm. and uh, the after hours manager. So that required me to be the only um, uh, level three on duty after hours to take um, care not only of the staff uh, on duty, but also of the patients, the inpatients we had at the mm-hmm. time. And I found that very challenging, but extremely interesting. And again, it was an area where we had to advocate who couldn't advocate on their own behalf for mm-hmm. people who are suffering from mental health problems. Yep. Yes. Okay. Maria, we need to take a break. And what I'll do, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that. And then what other things you've done before you went into law. Okay. So thank yes. you. Just Thank you, Ron. Unique Stone has been making their clients happy for well over a decade. They source their stone from all over the world. Italy, Turkey, Spain, Israel. It's a beautiful product. Stone is a focal point of a, of a, of a home. A new home or a renovation, when you put stone in your kitchen, it's, uh, it's that wow factor that you get when, when people walk in. Radio Italia Uno wants to introduce you to Almando Paradiso, proud owner of Unique Stone. A friend of mine owned a business called The Marble House in Rundle Street, Kenton. And uh, his, his father owned that business, and I went to work there on weekends. So essentially, that was how I was born in the, into the industry. Unique Stone, 49 Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Their website, Unique Stone, that's U-N-I-Q-S-T-O-N-E dot com dot A-U. Their phone number, 8266-2280. And for Facebook and Instagram, Simply search Unique Stone. I love my job. I love my business. I love the people within the business. I love the clients. Foodland's owned by South Australian families like mine. Like our second home, we ensure our stores are safe. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Foodland. 
Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook ed Instagram Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Hello everybody in Adelaide and thank you so much for listening and everybody around the world. Look, by the way, I just want to keep saying like I do every week and every time, please support the people who support us. Thank you so much to all the people who are our sponsors, who want to be our sponsors and are going to be our sponsors. You know, we're always looking for sponsors. We're always looking for help to promote. If you have a product or a service that you want to promote, get in touch with us, get in touch with me or Ron or um, Mark at the studio and uh, more than happy to help you. Um, promote your product or your services. And of course, if you hear somebody's product or services being advertised on the radio, on our program, please go along and support them because, you know, we need your help and they need your help. Also, I've had quite a few people, like several people, ask me that they need staff. So if there's anybody out there looking for a job, um, whether it's a labourer's job or a specific job, Uh, please get in touch with me because I may have somebody looking for you. Um, I need some clerical uh, people. We need some manual staff. We need some trades people. So, um, you know, if there's anybody out there at all who's looking for a job and for some reason can't find a job in this particular occupation, you know, or whatever, get in touch with me because I may have somebody who's looking for you. So, yeah, thank you. And, of course, we're coming up to Christmas and New Year and this is the New Year and this is when everybody's starting to look at what else they can do. And our special guest today has had several different occupations from the time they left school right through till now where they should be, you know, uh, having a good time retired, but they're having a good time enjoying what they're doing. My special guest today is Maria Firefield. Maria Firefield grew up here in Adelaide and then moved to Perth and now happily married over there, of course, and uh, has a very big legal firm over there, and uh, which she started as a, you know, a little business for herself to potter around in. And then her husband uh, moved from a big firm and joined her, and then they've grown quite substantially since then. So, Maria, thank you for being with us, uh, of course. Now, you were working uh, in Adelaide and you worked for Minda Home and you became Miss Minda, which was the uh, charity queen. You became the charity queen and you raised a lot of money for them. But during the time that you were in Adelaide, you, you actually did a lot of different things as well. And then you went to Perth and, or, and you were in Fremantle at the hospital there. Then after that, you went to work in England for a while, I believe. Uh, yes, Peter. And yeah. Tony's background uh, his father uh, is English. And so we decided at one stage, Tony had lost contact with his father who um, had, um, mum and dad had separated. So uh, dad had gone back to England. So we decided to take a trip to England. And uh, so I'll just throw in the fact that we had a restaurant before we um, went to England. So we um, sold up the restaurant and moved uh, to England initially really just to travel and see if we could make contact with Tony's father and then see what came of that. We ended up staying for five years 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Both of us uh, loved working in England and living in England with no disrespect to the English or England. We loved being there because England was such an easy place to get out of. And I mean that by the fact there were so many cheap airfares, so was, many flights yeah. to all over Europe. Mm. So, um, yeah, we travelled around Europe quite a bit. But, yes, while we were there, Tony at that stage, he's also had a few different careers. He was a social worker at that time. So he was employed a mental health, a large mental health institution. And we moved to Suffolk. So um, to all those listeners who um, come from Suffolk, yes, good evening, because it's a beautiful place and we enjoyed living there. That's where the family, the English side of the family lived. So we settled there. So while Tony was being a social worker, I again went back to nursing and, and worked in the mental field of mental health over there as a nurse. Wow. So uh, when you came back, that's when you went to Perth uh, Hospital or was that? Was yes, that you're before? right. When yeah. I came back from England, mm-hmm. um, uh, I went to Alma Street, which was yeah. that, that was Fremantle Hospital. Fremantle that's Hospital, where, yeah. Yes, and, then, that's right. and then after that, you decided because you were doing a lot of, what, what do you call it when you... Um, Advocacy, advocating. Ab- advocating for people, you decided I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to get a law degree. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you went to uni at, at yes. a, a, as a mature age student, and yes. you you became a lawyer. And, yes, uh, that's right. You know, and now now you've you're running your own business, but you've been practicing, like I said, criminal law and family law, you know, th- that sort of thing. And your husband obviously does the commercial part of it. But That's right. You also have a team of lawyers working for you, don't you? Oh, of course. Yeah. Look, we we I must say um, that we developed into a very large practice in Midland, which is the air, the um, suburb that um, the law firm where the law firm is situated. We then set up a practice in Bunbury, which is about a two-hour drive from mm-hmm. um, in south of Perth, a two-hour drive from where our office was situated. And, uh, and then we engage lawyer in Karatha, which is in the northern perimeter just south of the, um, what is it, the Kimberley region up mm-hmm. in a beautiful area up there in uh, WA. Mm-hmm. And at one stage we had three partners and uh, 17 practitioners at wow. various levels. So 17 lawyers and we, had, we would have had about 10 or 11 admin staff across the field. Wow. That's a pretty uh, yes. big law firm. Well, it, it yeah. is. It is. It certainly and, is. And the um, fact is that you um, you managed all that from Perth, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the main the head office was in uh, in Midland, yes. which is in the Perth area. Yes, that's right. Now, so, you've had you've had some very interesting cases of late, like with doing wills and estates that you yourself handle. There was one particular case I heard about that you had to go to Timor, or somebody had to go to Timor. Um, you know, obviously, we're not talking about specifics, but the reason why I'm asking this because there, just two weeks ago, I was asked by somebody here that if they wanted to send some money overseas, or you know, how does that happen if somebody dies here and wants to send their body overseas? How does that happen, and who should they talk to? And I, I said to them, I, I know a couple of people here in Adelaide, but I also referred them to you know, somebody to to talk to about that, you know. Can you handle that from where you are or does that, it's state by state, obviously different legislation or is it Commonwealth, uh, how does that work in Australia? 
Well, Peter, there are some Commonwealth laws, and I, I guess everybody would be familiar with family law. It's generally a Commonwealth-based statute or legislation. So whatever state you're in, uh, you could be represented by a lawyer in a different state because it's across the board. The legislation generally covers every aspect of family law across Australia. And there are other Commonwealth legislations that more affect the commercial area. But yes, there are for as far as wills and estates, the legislation is state based. Mm-hmm. But just so the people know, in drafting a will, you can draft a will in any state in Australia, and it's generally acceptable in any other state. So, if someone was to do a will in Western Australia, unless they refer to specific property they own here, if they sold up and moved to South Australia, that will would be a valid will in South Australia. Um, so in preparing a will for people, it's generally works in any state. Mm-hmm. But certain things, as you were saying, if someone dies, the laws of, uh, well, intestacy for a start, which is if someone dies without a will or without a valid will, mm-hmm. they are peculiar to each state. Mm-hmm. And so if someone were to die in Western Australia and the family was it, the next of kin was in Victoria, they would have to engage a West Australian lawyer to deal with mum, dad's property mm-hmm. in WA. Similarly, if a next of kin lived in Western Australia and their parents or someone died in Victoria, the legislation, Victorian legislation, would deal with the estate of the person that died, obviously. So you'd have to engage a lawyer in Victoria to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Obviously, the, the, the fact is you, you've had uh, an interesting case that I think would make interesting for other people to hear as well, where you had somebody from overseas uh, in Timor, I yeah. believe. Yes. Well, well, you know, and I've, I've been promoting We've got to take a break. Um, for years, I've been promoting people taking up the practice of estate law yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, and people sort of think that generally estate law is not sexy. Yeah. So, look, I yep. tell you what, we, we're going to have to take a break and we'll come back yes. and talk about this particular case because I, I found it myself found it interesting when I'm talking to you before. So yes. let's take a break and we'll come straight back and talk about how law can become very sexy. Are you interested in a Mitsubishi vehicle? Come and see me, Danny, at Northeast Mitsubishi. I think they should ask for me, Morris, when they arrive. But if you ask for me, Danny, I'll greet them when they arrive, make them feel comfortable, and I'll help them choose the perfect car. I'll treat them to the perfect cup of coffee, show them around, and answer all their questions. Look, let's not fight about this. We both work there. We can share the load. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter who you come and see. Danny or Morris. That's me, by the way. We're both a part of the Northeast Mitsubishi family, ready to assist in any way possible. Yes, we love our job and we love making our customers happy. So for a new Mitsubishi or a great selection of used vehicles, come and see us at 447 Northeast Road, Hillcrest, or check out our website at www.northeastmitsubishi.com.au. Or call us on 8366-7200 and ask for Danny or Morris. Well, I'd ask for Morris first. Danny, Morris. Yibbity yibbity, that's all folks. Now you start to be silly. 
moving quickly along with Steinman, AJ. Aaron Bain Racing. Have you ever thought about experiencing the thrill of owning a racehorse, either harness or thoroughbred? Want to experience that winning feeling, the excitement, the emotion, the thrill? Easy rolling, switching to the inside. Double O Heaven holding him for now, though. Double O Heaven drawing clear. Double O Heaven too good. Aaron Bain Racing, based in Gawler, South Australia, with a national footprint, can have you join their community of owners in the winner's circle anywhere in Australia tomorrow. Call or message Aaron Bain Racing and you too can experience the thrill. For more details, visit their website, www.aaronbainracing.com.au or follow them on Facebook. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Every Monday from 2 to 3, I'm here with a program with my special guests. And uh, uh, straight after that in the evenings, we are podcasted. Thank you to Podcast City uh, from Adelaide. Uh, Ron and Karen do a fantastic job. And also, if you're looking for a job, get in touch with me as soon as you can, because I'll tell you what. I've got several employers looking for staff, so in several different areas. So, you know, from factory workers to clerical laborers and uh, tradespeople. So get in touch with me as soon as you can. My special guest today is, is a wonderful person, has always been caring, advocating for people, you know, uh, trying to help the underdog, as you would say. Maria Farfield is, has... Uh, uh, had several different careers. Um, you know, when she first left school, she went into nursing. She went into mental nursing. She she worked in, um, started her own restaurant, ran a restaurant for a few years, very successfully, and then sold it while it was doing very well, and then moved to England, was there for about five years and traveled all over Europe while she was there. So she's got a well wealth of knowledge behind her, you know, and a very, very well-rounded person. And of course, always, always being fighting for the underdog. And then when it came back to Australia, she became a lawyer, started her own law firm and built it up from like her one man band, as we call it, up to having over uh, 20 or 30 like lawyers, about 15 or 16 lawyers, plus uh, about 10 staff to run, look after them. So it's a fairly big law firm as law firms go. Um, and she works from Midland in uh, uh, Avon Valley in Western Australia. And so, Maria, thank you for being our guest today. And we, we, I want to talk about, like you said, uh, a, a particular case that you had, uh, you know, about having um, – well, you tell the story about somebody here who died, but their relatives were in Timor or East Timor, and you had to verify who they were before we can pay the money out. Is that right? Yes, that's right, Peter. So just give um, us an overview of that particular case. Of course, yeah, I'll just summarise the case. We were contacted by clients we had in the Kimberley region in WA in Kandanara 
And what had happened was a fellow there who'd become very popular amongst the community, and he'd been living there for about 35 years. Background was that he'd come from Timor-Leste or East Timor as a refugee and had ended up in WA and found a job in Kananara, lived and worked there amongst the community for, as I said, over 35 years. He passed away probably about five or six years ago. So one of our clients contacted our firm and said, um, asked if we could assist. Uh, We had to, in in, in relation to, he died without a will, so that's died intestate. It's not interstate, it's intestate. So um, (laughs) under an intestacy, that's right, just to clarify that. So without a will. So we had to ascertain in order to um, have someone take responsibility over his estate, we had to ascertain if he had any family members living in WA. So cut a long story short, we did a a whole search of WA. Sometimes in those circumstances, you'd advertise in the paper, advertise across Australia. Uh, We contacted because we had documents in his personal document collection, which his friends provided to us, the fact that he'd come over, got his citizenship after being a refugee and found out we contacted the uh, consulate in WA for Timor. We contacted the Canberra ambassador for Timor who were unable to assist us. And eventually we had to revert to actually going directly to Timor, East Timor, of course, and were assisted in that situation by a young fellow who was obviously very committed to help. He was the... um, the chair or the president or the director of the Red Cross Centre at the time in uh, Timor East. And he started a search over there. We had to give him, obviously, the um, details. We'd found a list of his family members, the the deceased individual, um, from his paperwork. Uh, We identified some names. We identified, obviously, where he was born. He had his birth certificate. So the fellow from the Red Cross managed to contact the chief in the village. He came from a remote village in Timor East and the village was the village chief was contacted and uh, the chief who held all the information and knowledge of the members of his village, I guess, or his community, was able to do a family tree for us and we identified that in that village The uh, parents had lived there. They'd had six children, four of whom had died. So the only living relatives this person had was a brother who was in his 70s and a sister who was in her late 60s and quite, I say, elderly because of the circumstances they lived in and quite frail. Now, that took about three to four years to get to that point. Wow. We were unable to make direct contact because there was no phones or any connection (laughs) to the village. And the two beneficiaries, the only beneficiaries, were illiterate by the fact that they uh, were unable to read or write. And they signed their ID cards to identify themselves with the thumbprint. So we had these details that's now, incredible. Nowadays, that's still happening, you know. Most people think, oh, what? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was incredulous for us, of course, as well. But it, it, we were so thrilled. It was a very exciting process for us to go through to the point to identify these. We eventually decided that I had to be appointed as administrator of the estate. There was no one in a, else in WA who could be appointed. 
So by a process under the Administration Act, which is a legislation specific to WA, I was able to make an application to be appointed as administrator of this estate to gather all the funds. Now, we, because we'd made some contact with the family, someone had to go over and identify that these were the appropriate and the correct beneficiaries rather than just, and that any bank account that they gave us the details of to transfer the money. Now, without revealing too much information, it was a huge estate for, I guess, for Timor Lest, the community and the village circumstances when you look at people's wealth position, it was over 300000 Australian dollars. So um, the only way that, that I could uh, be genuinely satisfied that these were the beneficiaries and we were giving them money was if I actually travelled over yeah. there myself. So I made the trip because of COVID. We had to delay it for a few years. but And just by sheer luck, um, I managed to find a, a East Timorese living in around in local area in Midland, um, who volunteered to come with me as my guide and interpreter. So we set off um, the beginning of November. But I could have come as your guide. Yeah, you could have, except <laughs> you don't speak Portuguese, which is the local language there. Yeah, I falo, falo Portuguese. Yes. I'm aware that we're probably running out of time, but anyhow, we successfully identified the two individuals, their bank accounts with the help of the local national bank, and we transferred the funds into the, these people's bank accounts. So it was a very exciting and interesting matter for me, um, something that very few people or very few estate lawyers would have experienced. So um, that's my story. Yeah, no, that, that's like really interesting for us. But considering everything's done on iPads and phones and yes. everything else today, we, yes. we forget we forget that there are parts of the world where there's so people, so many people who have never mm. ever been to school, who who have never ever learned to read or write, or never even seen a book to to try and identify. Or you know, we we take well, it for granted that we've been learning for two thousand years or four thousand years yeah. or whatever. You know, the Egyptians and the Romans and uh, ancient Greeks have been writing for four or five thousand years, and yet there's people here today that have never, ever been in a classroom. Yes, Peter, I just wanted to, I notice, and I'm mindful, as I say, of time running away. I wanted to, on that note, say my mother was illiterate mm -hmm. only because she didn't have the opportunity, uh, coming from a small village in Italy, to um, have a school close by and to be educated. And I just wanted to put it out there that she was one of the people that inspired me, as you said earlier, yep. at the beginning of your program, to study and to make a better life for myself than the life that she had. Well, and I wanted to acknowledge that. Exactly. Look, I'm going to take a break. We're going to, we're going to take a break. But that's the next question I was going to ask you, talk to you about who inspired you, what motivated you the most to, to achieve what you've achieved in your life. And you've achieved quite a lot of different things in, in different fields, which was quite exciting. 
Elders Insurance Adelaide East la nostra missione è di fornire un servizio eccezionale. Elders Insurance Adelaide East è un'attività conduzione familiare italiana basata su onestà, fiducia e oltre 30 anni di esperienza. Come cliente riceverai rispetto reciproco, comprensione verso le tue esigenze e un livello di copertura che non puoi trovare altrove. Elders Insurance Adelaide East specializzati in assicurazioni di proprietà commerciale e assicurazioni domestiche. Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 Kensington Road, Rose Park. Contattate Tony Di Bucchianico all'8364-9477. We're an authorized representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, proprietary limited. Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Star bene, ogni mercoledì dalle 10 alle 11, con Patrizia e Rosa Maria. Solo su Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM. O'Brien Electrical Adelaide, your local electrical electrician. Service and responsiveness for locally owned and operated businesses, their priority. 263 Sturt Street in the city, right alongside of Radio Italia Uno. Give them a call and speak with their friendly staff. Their number 1300 051 482. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley. Join me each Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. for Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, destroying victim philosophy, canceling cancel culture, and by discussing as well as listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, beliefs, business, history, world events, and more. Change the world with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Peter Salerno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Look, it's really a pleasure to have this program here, and it's a pleasure for me to deliver it, but it's got nothing to do with me at all. It really hasn't. It's got to do with all my special guests. And today, our special guest has just shared a particular story which I found very, very interesting when I first heard about it. And uh, even Ron here in the studio has is, is, is been just as excited about hearing it as I have uh, when I first heard it. So, uh, Maria, thank you so much. Maria Firefield is a lawyer uh, or currently is a lawyer from Perth, Western Australia in the Midman, Midland Valley or the uh, Midland and at the Avon Valley, just part of the foothills of Perth. And she has had several careers and uh, several different areas of the career. So now she's been doing law and ran her own law firm since uh, 2005. So, you know, it's quite a few years and that it's a fairly big law firm as law firms go. Maria, one of the questions I did want to ask you was what inspired you to keep achieving all the things you've achieved? Because I remember even as a young girl in Adelaide, you were learning French and you, you topped a state in French 
at, at Adelaide High School, you know, you were always a, a great achiever. You you played sport at a fairly high level. Uh, you were one of the best uh, hockey players in the state and you should have been playing hockey for the state. So tell us, w- what do you think was it that it motivated you? Well, I came from a, a, a large-ish family, four brothers, three older, an older sister and a younger brother. And I guess as migrants coming from Italy to uh, uh, Australia, it was a tough time for our parents who were both very strong characters. But I recall uh, spending more time with my mother than my father, of course, and my mother always being so positive about life and looking at the strengths, people who were around her. And my mother had very many lessons that uh, she would tell me as a young person, which didn't mean much to me. But as I grew older and, and thought about it, it meant a lot to me. But one of the things that I guess helped me to achieve and to look for the best in people and to look to better myself was the fact that it my mother had been unable to have an education as a young person in Italy, living in a village and her father had passed away when she was quite young from an illness. And so she had two brothers and I think four or five sisters. The brothers were able to go and study and go to school and the girls were unable to. That was the culture of the day. And ringing in my ears all the time was my mother saying to me, whether I was in primary school or high school, you have to study, you have to do well. Because that way, with a good education, you will have more choices in your life and you will have a better life than I've had without an education. So that rang in my ears. So for me, my mother was a huge inspiration in achieving and considering that education was very important in our lives. The other thing that I learned from my mother on various incidences, but one in particular that stands out in my mind when I was nursing at Alma Street, as we discussed earlier. And my mother came over to visit and I was walking her through the hospital and uh, she saw an elderly Italian lady as I was showing her through where I worked, standing uh, just outside a hospital room and crying. And we were talking and, in fact, we were walking off to um, the Cappuccino Strip in Fremantle, which is a beautiful spot. It's a beautiful spot. If you come over to WA, please visit it, Fremantle Cappuccino Strip. So she she just said, just a moment, and walked off to this lady, um, and I heard her say to this woman as I approached, you're Italian, aren't you? So obviously my mother spoke in Italian to her. What had happened was a quick story. This lady was explaining to mum that her husband had cancer and he was dying. And the nurses were just remaking his bed. So she was waiting for them to do their bits. And so my mother held her hand and said, just said to her, look, you've got to have faith. And, uh, you know, she was very religious. You've got to have faith in the Lord and, you know, you will get there. Whatever that meant to this woman, you know, she ended up with a smile on her face. My mother gave her a hug and said, you know, I wish you all the best and keep the faith. So that was a critical incident that, for me, just by spent taking out, you know, 30 seconds, a minute of her time, my mother had made this woman's life a little bit better, yeah. despite the fact she was going through something traumatic. Yeah. So for me, that's it. Give yeah. someone a smile, a few words, 
that's so important and it costs nothing. It's funny because what you've said right at the beginning of the program, I talked about these guys from Uganda, the guy from Kenya and the guy from Ghana. There was three different letters that were sent to me and they all said exactly the same thing. And it was just exactly what you just said. They've been saying to their children and to their to their relatives, you know, go and study what your mum told you. Go and study yes. because that's the best way to get a better education, get a better job, get a better career, get a better lifestyle. And and these three different people, I said that they've all said exactly the same thing in slightly different ways. And you've yes. just rounded it off by saying exactly the same thing. And that's why I thank everybody who shares this program because it's not what what inspired you, but how can you inspire others or who can you inspire you know, and and thank you so much, Maria, because what you just said rounded it off. I mean, I couldn't have, see. I couldn't plan this program in, any better because I'm not that good. But you know, what you've said was exactly what needed to be said when it needed to be said. So thank you so much because the the, the letters that I get, the emails that I get, I tell you, I talk to Ron all the time about it, and they're all saying the same thing. These are the sort of things that people are trying to teach their children. These are the sort of things that people are trying to inspire uh, others. Teachers are trying to uh, teach this. You know, we had a teacher in here a few weeks ago and he was saying he he encouraged people. And now when he goes back to these country towns where he, where he was teaching, they they welcome him with open arms. He's become like one of their favorite mentors, you know, and some of those people have become very, very rich and very, very famous in their districts. And they all say, oh, it was this teacher who encouraged me, you know, so thank you so much. We need to finish now. And I'm just saying, I want to leave you with this message that you said so well, Maria, and thank you so much for coming on the program. I know you're a very busy lady and I really appreciate your time, but you know, it's about who can you? Who has inspired you? And more important, who can you inspire? So I, I leave you with this. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful year. Make 2023 be the year that we're all free. So thank you. Thank you, Ron, for all the help you've had given me this year. Maria, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you My for pleasure, listening. My pleasure, Peter. Thank Good you night. for listening. Bye. You have been listening to Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. Catch our show every Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.